What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Time Off Podcast. I'm your host, BK. I don't know about you, but I'm the type of person that always has to be doing something. So even when I'm not working, I'm working towards the goal. Growing up, it was sports and training parkour. Then I traded those in for music and more entrepreneurial goals. But I've always had a passion that I pursued in my free time. In this show, we're going to talk to guests who have all different types of interesting hobbies, passion projects, and side hustles that all take place in the 16 hours outside of their 9 to 5. So come join me and let's see what our next guest does in their time off. What's up, everyone? Today's guest is a crew leader for a high-end delivery service by day, but he's got some very cool hobbies in his time off. Since the age of three, he's been catching baseballs and fish any chance he gets. When he wasn't navigating the waters, he was playing football, baseball, wrestling, skiing, riding motorcycles, pretty much any sport you could think of. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome my good friend and one of the only people I trust to drive my boat, T-Fly, a.k.a. Tyler Carlo. What's up, dude? Welcome to the Time Off Podcast. Hey, how's it going? Thanks for having me. Yeah, dude. Thanks for coming. Oh, it's my pleasure. So let's talk a little bit about your job just to start out what you do and give us a little detail on that. Yeah, so pretty much I you know, work for a high-end delivery company. We deal with the custom furniture, fine art. Uh, we do a lot of work with interior designers, um, a lot of upscale houses and uh, apartment buildings throughout the city. We work within the tri-state area uh, as far north as the Canadian border, as far south as my, like Key West, nice. uh, Chicago. So we're, we're pretty far out. Cool. But um, I've done a lot of work for some pretty famous clientele uh people i can't talk about then there's like other people like some athletes uh victor cruz for one which was really cool like i had a huge fanboy moment oh yeah i bet it was, it was bad <laughs> it was really bad but yeah gone to a lot of cool places spent a lot of time this summer out on martha's vineyard for work it's not that bad. sounds fun it's not bad when you know you get to enjoy where you're actually working right you know but right so i mean i know you said you can't really go into detail about some of the people but what was like maybe the coolest item or do you have any cool stories from delivering that you can actually say (laughs) so i obviously said that i was out in martha's vineyard this house was the coolest house i've ever been in it was to call it a house is an understatement it was on it's an it's a compound you know they have everything that you could imagine tenfold it's huge the house is like set right on like the point of like martha's vineyard they have a bunch of really cool pieces in there. They've got pieces from uh, Major Laser. They've got, like, oh, wow. gold records on, like, the, the walls. So it was obviously some sort of musician or producer or something like that. They have something to do with it. I don't know. Like, we really weren't allowed to know, like, the specifics of, right. of this client. Like, I don't even know his name, to be honest okay. with you. But it's just, like, their vacation house that they go and spend, like, three weeks a year at. And it's, like, so over the top. Wow. But it, it, it's amazing. Like, and then you, every single window you look out, you're looking at water and, you know, I can't really think of anything much more beautiful than waking up every morning staring at a point in Martha's Vineyard. Oh, yeah. You know, if you've ever had the opportunity to get out there, it's a great little town. I haven't actually Island, been there, but. Me. You got to get out there. Yeah. The cat, you guys will love it. Yeah, I got to check it out. Definitely. So, like, what kind of stuff, like, do you move? You said art, but. I mean, really anything that you can 
imagine goes in house. We do, like I said, everything from custom furniture, like custom sectionals, fine art. We do a lot of art viewings. We work for a lot of galleries within the Fairfield County area. Ev- everything really. It, it's just there's there's no way I can talk for the next fifteen minutes about just things yeah, that we just move, the things you know. But I've had upwards of hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of art in my truck at times. I've had wow. like I have to handle that, and like at the end of the day, like I'm responsible for it. Like, have you ever had any issues? Uh, with art, no, thank God. Yeah, because I mean that's kind of one of a kind, most of the time. I'm like sweating thinking about like something <laughs> going wrong right now. So I don't want to stress you out too much. No, thank you. Let's move on to some fun stuff. So I mentioned you played baseball mm-hmm. since you were very young. When did you get into that? Uh, so my grandpa pretty much had a baseball bat and a glove in my hands as soon as I could walk. Yeah, he was he was very big into sports. He still is. God bless him, dude's like 84 years old. Referees like varsity basketball and football. Wow. <laughs> yeah. He's actually in the Stanford Hall of Fame, the Stanford Old Timers Hall of Fame, and he's in the, I believe it's the Connecticut Sports Hall of Fame. He won three World Series for men's semi-pro softball back back in the day. Oh, wow. Don't know the exact dates, but yeah, so sports were always big with him, and my mom's an only child, and uh, he never had a son. So when I was born, it was just pushing sports. Yep. You know what I mean? There, there was no way around it. That was it. You're playing these sports, like, so figure you, it out. You didn't have much of a choice. No, no, not at all. Like, I'm not mad about it because yeah. I love baseball. Right. And, you, I mean, you played it through high school, right? Mm-hmm. Cool. I mean, you kind of answered my next question, which is why baseball? You are almost forced into it. But you continued to like it. You played. Oh, I loved it. And then you played, I think we actually met playing T-ball or some, somewhere along those lines, like originally. To be honest with you, I wouldn't doubt it. And then we kind of became friends again later in life. So you played what? You played Babe Ruth, right? Yep. So we grew up with kids who played in some like World Series games and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. How far did you go with your... So I wasn't fortunate enough to uh, make it to the World Series as some of our friends were. Um, Best I had ever done was our 18-year-old Legion team made it to states, and then we uh, won states and uh, went up to Maine for regionals, and we ended up losing two games in a row after the winner's bracket championship. So pretty much we won one more game, and we were, you know, coasting into the, into the championship. Yeah. And then we would have went to, I believe it was like North Carolina or somewhere, somewhere down south to go play the Legion series nice which would have been really cool but and not how it worked just out. missed it and then when i was 16 years old i was playing aau and played in an international tournament mm-hmm. which was pr- really cool like we played teams from puerto rico oh wow uh canada yeah we went out to like michigan for it and i opened up the tournament for our team pitching like we went up i think it was like seven or eight runs in the first in like the top of the first i come in like i'm jacked up yeah like i am absolutely my parents thought like i had like issues like they're <laughs> like what is going on with this kid right now i ended up laying like letting up like six or seven runs oh no and uh come back next six innings i pitched a, c- a complete game that game uh lights out like absolutely yeah. lights out it was awesome so that was against like an inner city detroit team so that was pretty cool okay so yeah. you w- did you mainly pitch uh yeah i mean that was my Best position, I think. I played, I pitched, I played first base, I played third, I caught a 
pretty much everywhere around the, the infield other than short and second. Didn't really play outfield. But, yeah, pitching pitching and hitting were my two, you know, tops was, in the sport. I was the complete opposite. Oh, really? Yeah. I d- something switched when I was, like, 12 years old, and I could not hit anymore. I have no idea what it was. I mean, I did get hit a couple of times pretty bad, <laughs> so maybe I was just afraid, but... Um, and then pitching was never really my thing. Like, I was that dude in the outfield, though. Yeah, I, I mean, it's an like, important position. Yeah. Like, you got to be able to throw. I was the one making those, on. like, diving out of your reach plays. Oh, and that's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. I loved it. That was, my, that was my favorite part about baseball. So were you one of the kids that had, like, the helmet with, like, the whole huge cage no, on no, the front? No, no, no. I never like went that far. Pads. I just I just took it to the face if it <laughs> happened. But... <laughs> Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, boy. yeah. That no, actually, one time I got hit right in like the eyebrow, really? and literally, there's a baseball size knot on my face. It's not fun, dude. I took no. a, I took a baseball off of. Um, I was warming up the pitch. We literally had nine people. Bottom, of the top of the seventh. I'm warming up in between innings. Right. Funny story. My grandma was always coming to my games. And uh, she would always get mad at me because, like, I wouldn't say, like, I wouldn't say bye to her. I think it was something stupid like that, right? And I'm warming up the pitch, and I see her car like leaving road, and I think it's her car. I wave as soon as I turn my head to wave, take a ball straight to the side of my face, put three teeth through my lips. Oh no! Stitches, hospital like visit the whole nine. The worst thing about it was, like, I couldn't come out because we only had nine people. If I left, we would have forfeit the game. I ended up going out to pitch. I had, like, blood, like, running down my face. Like, it, it was, was so in, badass. It was but, like, yeah. Oh, yeah, dude. Like, I ended up striking out the three kids. Like, just struck out the side and, you know, went straight to the ER. Yeah. Face is huge. Huge. Do you have a favorite story or uh, maybe, like, a favorite play, best play? Well, actually, yeah. I guess you can say when I was pitching for McMahon, playing Basic. Figure this out. I struck out six people in one inning. The record was seven. I almost had a record for that. Wow. Mm-hmm. So there were three strikeouts where dropped third ball, like dropped third strike, overthrown at first, didn't make it to first, three times in a row, and then I literally struck the next three people out. It's like six strikeouts in one inning, which was really cool. And, like, people look at me crazy when I, when I say that. But Yeah, I've you, that's why I'm quiet over here. At first, I was like, "How does that work? <laughs> yeah, no, like, how did how does that happen? All all drop third strikes. Wow. Yep. Six strikeouts in one inning. That's cool. It's insane. It's stupid. Do you have any like embarrassing plays outside of getting hit in the face? <laughs> yeah, and the worst thing about that getting hit in the face was that wasn't even my grandma driving by. I literally oh no! Just, like turned and waved for no reason. Like for, <laughs> I forgot to say that. <laughs> that was the kicker. But embarrassing plays took took a couple balls, you know, in the uh, man area without <laughs> Ball, a cup on. Balls to the balls. Balls to the balls. That sucked. That's never fun. And everybody's laughing, and you're just dying out yeah. there. Like, I mean, I probably blocked out all the embarrassing plays. So outside of baseball, you, I mean, you played football. You did wrestling. Mm-hmm. Is baseball your favorite sport? Probably because I played it for so long. Mm-hmm. I, I really liked football, but I, re- I loved wrestling. Like wrestling, like every other sport I played, you can hide behind someone else. You know, like you don't have to be the best one on the team. Right. You can just, you know, like you baseball, there's a one in nine chance of you getting a ball hit to you. You know, I don't want to say you don't have to do much, but like 
you can hide, you know? Wrestling, it is one-on-one, you versus the man in front of you, and that man's main objective is to make you hurt (laughs) so that you don't want to wrestle anymore, you know? And I loved it. Like, it was just, like, all eyes on you. I did it for three years in high school. I wish I did it for four. I wish I could have went to college and done it. I I loved it. I went back after uh, graduating and, like, helped coach during the winters when I was home from college. Nice. Mm Mm-hmm. It's like something I would actually love to get back into. I would love to, um, like, coach. I see, I see offers like all the time, but like usually they they keep it like within the school systems and yeah. A lot of the time they try to. Yeah, it's hard to get into it, but I would love to do it. I'd never, I've never tried it outside of like wrestling in the basement. <laughs> yeah, we've definitely Which gotten into a couple wrestling matches in your basement. Yeah, put put holes in the wall by accident. Pretty sure. Ev- did Ev almost make you pass out one day? Yeah, I'm pretty sure I was in some sort of chokehold. <laughs> I was like slamming on the floor trying to tap out, but <laughs> that was fun. All right, so skiing. I've seen you do that a lot over the years. Oh, yeah. When did that come into the picture? Was that like a always thing or? Nope. I uh, so My dad was a huge skier. And for some reason, he never. Shout out to Big Tony. Yeah, shout out to the man, Pima. <laughs> uh, he, he never taught me how to really? ski. Really? Yeah, no. He never brought me. I think I went maybe twice when I was younger. I didn't end up really learning how to ski until I was 19 years old. My cousin taught me. It was a terrible experience, like literally having a mental breakdown on the top of the mountain, (laughs) like falling every three feet, like standing up and just falling and like standing up and falling. And like finally, after about like an hour of like yelling at my cousin for bringing me up there, he was just like, you know, he said some things that like just got under my skin. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to do this. And just like that. You got to get down somehow. You got to get down. (laughs) we're not walking down no absolutely absolutely not not walking down i'm surprised you can't uh, snowboard though i snowboard i I do i was gonna say didn't you and i could never ski but i could snowboard i remember you and ev making a hill in the back of his yard yeah we made like a a snowboard like pump track in his backyard yeah some didn't somebody like break something yeah he he tore something in his shoulder yeah that's what it was yep but (laughs) Yeah, no, I started skiing when I was 19 years old, and once I picked that up, that was, you know, pedal to the floor, just, we're going. I think the first season, it was my first season that, like, I legitimately knew how to ski. I think I went about 85 times, and no exaggeration, legitimately, every single day off that I had from work, really, I was straight up to the mountain. If, like, I showed up to work, and I found out that we really didn't have any work, I, like, begged my boss, like, hey, like, can I just go home? I feel like you don't need me. Can I just go home? Two and a half hours later, I'd be up in Vermont at Mount Snow, you know, hopping on the ski lift. Yeah, and I ended up having, I think it was like 80, like mid-80s for wow. days on the on the mountain. And like, that was awesome. That year, I also went out to Colorado. Skied Steamboat Springs, which was probably, like, I left my heart out there. Honestly, yeah. like, it is beautiful. Is that your favorite mountain that you've been to or yeah. area? Yep, Steamboat. Absolutely. And uh, I've made a couple trips out to Colorado. I've skied Breckenridge. Uh, I've been to, I think it was Keystone and Winter Park. And Steamboat, by far, like, takes the cake. It, it is beautiful. Yeah. Like, you're, you're literally, it's three hours northwest of Denver. You're in the middle of nowhere. But there's just this massive mountain. And then at the top of it, you can, it, you know, it overlooks all of the Rockies and it's beautiful. Like wow. I would go back there in a heartbeat. 
I'm actually trying to make plan a trip out there th- for like coming March. Let so. me know. I might be down for that. Really? We're out. <laughs> Say no more. What was the most challenging mountain that you've been on? Steamboat was definitely the most challenging mountain I've ever been to. I was just figuring everything out and they throw everything at you. You know, you'll be coming over a little, you know, flat area and then you come down and it's just nothing but moguls. And wow. if you're not prepared for it, you know, you can seriously injure yourself. Yeah, that would ruin me. Yeah, it, it did a couple times. <laughs> like, there was a video of me on my GoPro. Like, <laughs> it's just like I'm coming over, I'm flying down this hill. And I get to like a little flat section and then it like drops back down and I come over it. Like, I think I even like caught some air going over the lip. And, like, come down, and it's just, like, all you see is just, like, bumps. Oh, and man. All, nothing but moguls. Dude, how I didn't break a bone. Like, you see me come down, and then just, like, ejecto cedo, like, straight. <laughs> dude, like, you, you know the size. Like, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big man. I got thrown. Really? Like, I was airborne. Like, it was, it's, I, I have to try and Skis find the GoPro detached video. everywhere. Oh, yeah. Complete yard sale. Like, spinning down the mountain, like, <laughs> flips and it was bad it was bad but yeah since then like i learned a lot like you know you got to throw yourself into the thick to, to get through the thin you know yeah what I mean? definitely it uh it taught me a lot so like that that completely changed the way i skied and you know that next season was the season that i ended up doing 85 days and now it's just like you know whenever you can oh yeah no i never had like a real obsession with it but i did it when the opportunity came up Mm -hmm. honestly i've probably only been to a mountain like six plus times like not a lot um i went when i was a kid i tried to ski i couldn't do it hopped on a board the next time love that and then like i would do stuff like hills and stuff around here Mm -hmm. but it's not the same in college so i had just broke my hand and my friends were like, we're going on a trip. And I was like, yeah, I'm going. Like, With a broken hand? Yeah. Oh, good. So we went, to, we went to Mount Snow. I hadn't snowboarded since I was about 12, probably. Yeah. How's that, how'd that fir- go for you? <laughs> the first day, I pretty much <laughs> rolled down the mountain. Did you break your cast? No. I just put a plastic bag around it, or a couple of them, and then, like, Sounds like a ma- great idea. made it work. And then, like, day two, I hit the park. Oh, good. That I'm a great. quick. I'm a quick learner. How'd that Ex- go? Um, my tailbone hurt pretty bad, <laughs> especially when I tried to like board slide across a barrel, and then I came down on it with a broken hand. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I'm sure, your mom loved hearing that. You know what? I didn't tell her. No, she was okay <laughs> with it. I, I told. Uh, I told her I wouldn't go too crazy. I mean, I already had like the board rental and the house and like. No, to be honest with you, I've seen people ski with broken hands, yeah. you know, or excuse me, snowboard with with, snow, with broken hands. And I mean, as long as you know what you're doing, I didn't, but I made it work. Your, your limits, right? <laughs> Dude, like uh, two years ago, we went, cat and like all our little nieces and nephews, or mm-hmm. they're all like high school aged. We went up, we got on the mountain at eight a.m. We get down from our first run. 10 minutes later, 15 minutes later, we're like, where's Sam? Nope, nope. And they're like, they're like, I thought good. he was with you. I was like, no, he flew by me. Yep, no. Apparently what happened was he went off the side a little bit, and he luckily like missed all the trees, 
but he broke his collarbone literally <sighs> 10 minutes into the run. On the first run? First run of the day. I got a, a story exactly like that. <laughs> my, uh, my friend, you know Alex Muniz. Yeah. He, November 11th, two years ago. Birthday. Happy late birthday. I think Thank I, you. I said happy birthday to him. You did. You yeah. texted me. So it was the first day. Mount Snow ended up getting, I believe, it was like 10 or 11 inches or something like that overnight. And just opened up. Literally just opened up on that day. They were like, if you can get here, you can get here. We're open for one day. So Alex and I see this. You know, I think it was about 7 o'clock in the morning when we saw it. We got a late start. I think we got up there for like 11.30. Same deal. We go up. I go down, I turn around, Alex is just laid out on the ground, breaks his collarbone, first run oh my of the first day the season started. So we hopped right back in the car. I got pulled over for speeding on <laughs> the way home. It was <laughs> no. a great time. It was a great time. It was an absolute great day. You know what? That's actually a good transition because you are a little bit of a speed demon. I don't want to be the one to say it, but I am. Motorcycles. I mentioned that in the intro. Where did that come from? Like, I don't remember that being a thing with you growing up, really. And then, like, one day I saw this kid riding a bike. And I was like, this kind of, that kind of looks like Tyler. <laughs> and literally, it was like some back road in Wilton. Yeah, I, a lot of people were actually confused with all of that. I, to myself, I've always loved motorcycles. Growing up, my favorite movie was Biker Boys. Okay. I don't know if, like, you've ever seen it. I have a stupid, stupid movie about like underground motorcycle, like street bike racing. Okay. And like how this like one guy ended up trying to come, like he like got kicked out of like, he got kicked out or they wouldn't let him into like a biker gang. So he made his own and then ended up like taking the whole scene out. So I've always been obsessed with them. Yeah. I think I was 20, 23, 24 years old. I went and bought a dirt bike. Like my mom was so mad at me. She was so mad. She didn't talk to me for like a month. <laughs> but, you know, I ended up finding like this little trail in like my backyard, essentially, that where like people used to do like pump bikes and like BMX, uh -huh. like the mountain bikes in, in the woods. And uh, like so I pretty much had like a, a track set up, had jumps and everything. So I, I rode that every single day from like May to September, maybe even into October, pretty much until like it was just like too cold to like grab the like the handlebars yeah that upcoming april from there i ended up buying uh, my first motorcycle which was also just like a street legal dirt bike so i was like so comfortable on it because i've been riding like the exact same thing and it was a nice bike too i still have it you still bike. have that bike I love it it's my favorite bike i love that the, the i BRZ. sent you remember i sent you a text one day i was in the city and someone had almost identical and i was like yo you in the city right now because you have those like hard to miss blue rims on it yes I do remember that, and no, that wasn't me. One of my, I, I have like bucket list to ride it through the city. I, I think it would be so cool. And I just Scares never the got the opportunity. Me. You know, it's like it, motorcycles. They, they can, it can get scary. Like things can go bad very fast. Like I would be lying to you if I said I've never gotten into an accident. Luckily, never with like another car or anything like that. It's always mm -hmm. just been like my fault. Just like either just doing something stupid or, <laughs> but it's not fun. So I definitely like stopped. Doing stupid things. Good, I'm glad. <laughs> yeah, no, so I have the DRZ, and then I have an FZ09, which I'm probably actually getting rid of in the spring because I just don't have the time to ride both bikes and 
yeah. you know, now that like, like huge into fishing and, and all of that, like it's just, you know, it was a little phase. Right. But I'll never get rid of that white one. The first one, I'll never get rid of that, that bike. Either. It's a really nice bike. It is so fun. It's perfect for around town, man. Like to go from like here to like Stanford, you know, just like stay like within the area. Right. It's great. It's so much fun. That's awesome. I mean, I never had the balls to do it. Funny enough, my grandma was like big into Harleys when I was a little kid. Yeah. You would never guess that, right? No, not at all. Yeah. So I had been riding on the back of a motorcycle when I was like five to like 10 years old. But like myself, I don't think I'd, I've never driven one. So it's really not that bad. You know, like people like my friends will say like oh like you know you're why are you like speeding through cars and it's like well like you're not and i'm not talking about like you know doing 150 miles an hour right. like lane splitting like i'm talking about just like doing like 80 you know 80 miles an hour just get away from cars and, and get into an area where it is safe mm-hmm. where i'm by myself you know what i mean where cuz like when you're you're up in traffic and it's so it it takes literally a split second i've seen it probably 100 times where you know someone just goes to t- like switch lanes real quick and you know barely hits their blinker and just like is moving over before their blinkers even on and uh you know you really have to be paying attention to everything that's going on around but you know you you just it's kind of like a sixth sense and you do it enough you don't even think about it anymore, yeah it you becomes know? like second nature exactly they are very maneuverable so that that's nice right that's the good part that is a good part yeah absolutely and Fairco county traffic sucks oh my god <laughs> Honestly, there have been times where I'm like, if I see somebody going by, like, I get pissed for a second because I'm, like, jealous. That's all. That's the only <laughs> really, really the no, only honestly. reason I'm mad is because I'm like, damn, that dude's getting where we need to go way faster. And it's like when traffic's backed up like that, you know, California, you can lane split. Uh, I think it might be Texas is the, is the other state. But I know, I know California, and it's, like, starting to get legalized throughout more populated areas where li- you can't actually lane split when, okay. like, traffic is backed up. Right. And, you know, really, there's, like, I mean, it, it sounds sketchy. It looks sketchy. But when you're on a motorcycle, and especially when there's cars back to back to back to back to back, everybody normally just, like, pulls up right behind everybody. There's, like, a perfect little hallway. Mm-hmm. And you're just like, oh, well. Why not use it? I'm going to go there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's just one of those things, like, you have to really be, like, on your game, like paying attention because, you know, right. with like people texting and driving yes. and, and all of that, you know, like there's a lot of things that could go wrong. And, you know, there's probably a lot of people that are going to be like, oh, you, you can just wait 10 more minutes. It's not that big of a deal. But when you're sitting on the bike and it's like 95 degrees outside, right. you've got a bike that's 200 degrees in between your legs. Like it sucks. And you, you have gear on and a helmet mm-hmm. and all that. It, it's it sucks. Yeah. Like there's no way around it. That was probably a big selling point for California to move that. Oh, absolutely, dude. I mean, for I mean, between the heat, people being fully like leathered up, like I would die from a heat stroke if I just like sit in like 110 degree weather and sun's beating down on you and you're just stuck on like the LA freeway. Like I'm all set. Yeah, traffic out there is bad. Yeah, we think we have it bad. Like it's nothing comparable. I've never been, but I've heard stories of like i was lucky when i when i was out there like i i mean i was there for a few days but i didn't hit much traffic it didn't seem like anything crazy compared to like rush hour in new york new york's really not even that bad with my job bro i'm in there three times a week like normally uh-huh. like i was in new york twice already this week it's wednesday yeah <laughs> like, <laughs> like 
I don't mind driving in New York. The best way to put it is like it, it is an organized shit show. There's no lanes. You just drive. And if one person on like the right lane starts to move over, everybody just follows. And it's like everybody's just doing the exact same thing. And so, I mean, uh, unless you get stuck in gridlock, that's a whole other story. Like that's, yeah. that sucks. Like that is the worst thing imaginable. Like it's taken me three, four hours to get up the islands. Like one time oh, no. we had a truck. You remember last year, was it, I think it was last year, we had that, like, really early snowstorm, and, like, everybody freaked out. We were only supposed to get, like, three inches, and we ended up getting, like, seven or eight. Uh-huh. We had a truck that was in Brooklyn. It took them ten and a half hours to get back from no. Brooklyn. Yeah. I mean, bro, it took me an hour and 45 minutes to get from Cranberry. It was over by Cranberry Park uh-huh. to McMahon, essentially. Wow. After being stuck for six hours trying to get home, dude, I was done. Yeah. I was absolutely done. And, like, I was in a box truck that day, too. It was miserable. That sounds terrible. Yeah. So I have to have these hobbies because, you know, you got to find ways to clear your head. Uh I would go crazy if I didn't have something to do outside of work. Yeah. So you did a bunch of different sports. Talked about bike life. Mm Mm-hmm. What's your current big obsession? Fishing. Like, no doubt about it. Fishing. I've seen it. Yeah, I've seen all these pictures on Instagram. Saw so you in a little fishing magazine too. I think so. Yeah, so it's actually two two fishing magazines. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, I was in. Uh, I believe it was August and October for the Coastal Angler. It's a magazine that pretty much covers the whole East Coast. It goes from Maine all the way down to Florida, and it, you know each regional area kind of ha- they stick their magazines to each regional area. Uh-huh. So ours is like Rhode Island, Connecticut. And I think Long Island as well. Yeah, that was really cool. Like, that was awesome. I uh, have always been into fishing. Mm-hmm. I was never, like, obsessed with it. But it was something that I would always go and do. Right. Um, like, growing up, like, my dad was a lobsterman. Okay. So, I grew up on the water. You know, like, that, it is, yeah. you cut me open, I'm, I'm bleeding seawater. <laughs> like, there's, there's no way around that. And uh, about a year and a half ago, I went out to uh, Fisher's Island with one of our friends and her boyfriend and he has a house out there and we were fishing and it just everything all clicked and it just all came back to me and I'm the type of person where like as you can tell from the motorcycles and skiing that once I get into something you know it is I'm full steam ahead you know like that that's it nobody's stopping me like I just get so engulfed in it and I love it to be honest with you it's a very very passionate (laughs) to say the least no I'm the same way like can't tell Oh, no, you absolutely. know, you've seen it. Like, absolutely. Once I music. find, yeah, once I find those things that I like, or I like the thing that I wake up and doesn't matter how tired I am, I'm like, I'm going to do that. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you understand. You, how early do you get up to go fishing? Uh, the earliest I got up this year was three thirty. Jesus. I w- I was out there. I was on my boat for about three forty-five. I think I stayed out there till about one o'clock in the afternoon that day. Came home. Slept for three hours and went back out there at like five o'clock, like eight, and went back out there at five o'clock and stayed out there till ten o'clock at night. How many hours did you put in? Close to fifteen hours on the water in one day. Wow, I, dude, I love it. It's it's therapy to me. Like especially being out there either like really early in the morning or really late at night. It's it's quiet. There's got to no be like around. a nice time to. I mean, this is getting a little deep, but like reflect and just. Oh, that's where I do all my thinking. Yeah. Like, if I have, I could have the worst day at work, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. doesn't matter what's the worst day in life possible. And I will get on my boat or I will go 
like, I think in April I was out on the calf pasture pier. Uh, nice. My grandpa, like, had recently passed, and, mm-hmm. like, I just needed some time. And spent two and a half hours out there <laughs> in 37-degree weather. It was pouring rain with a 25-mile-an-hour wind coming oh out of the God. west. It's, like, straight in your face. I caught a decent amount of fish, and it was April, so it was, like, early in the season, which was, like, really cool. Mm-hmm. But it's just, like, the one thing that just grounds me and just brings me, you know, back. Yeah. I mean, because of it, like, I was out there on average probably three to four times a week, if not. I mean, there were some days coming towards, like, September, October, where I was out there every single day. Like, and I mean, I caught probably somewhere within, like, probably, no exaggeration, like, four to 500 fish in the month of October. Wow. Mm -hmm. Or between September to October. And, like, most of them you throw back, right? Every single one. Every single one? I I had to kill one fish this year. One. It's not not bad for four to five hundred that's just in two months but yeah (laughs) and i didn't even want to i just unfortunately it like had a really deep hook set and Mm -hmm. uh we couldn't get the hook out and it started it was bleeding out and at that point it was just like a better decision for you know it was a striped bass it was better for this bass to like just be you know taken care of and then gone and it was filleted up and my friend ate it i don't eat fish whatsoever i hate it really hate it hate it that's interesting you I don't. Do you eat seafood at all? Shrimp, clams, lobster. No. Is that because your dad would Honestly, catch lobster and try to force it on you early? Pro- no, dude, my dad doesn't like seafood either. That's hilarious. Like, figure that out. Man oh my god. Literally makes a living on the ocean and hates everything from it. Wow. Um, I mean, I guess if you work with something a lot and you see what really goes into it, I could. And that's it takes like, away the appeal a little bit. Absolutely. And, like, that's, like, where I – that was, like, my mindset with it. Mm-hmm. Like, I would go out there with my dad and, like, you know, he would have me, like, getting the bait bags ready and, like, all, of like, just the miserable work that, like, yeah. nobody wants to do. So, like, my head – I was, like, 10, 11 years old sticking my head into, like, these, like, massive 55-gallon drums of rotting bait. And I'm sorry for being, like – No, yeah. Exp- like, you know, <laughs> in detail, but – it was, it's nasty, dude. I, like, I threw up a bunch of times. It's bad. <laughs> yeah. It's bad. So, like, whenever yeah, I think gross. of, like, seafood, I, like, see it coming up. I don't like the way fish smell either. It grosses me out, <laughs> to be honest with you. <laughs> I taste what I smell in, right. in, in fish, you know right. what I mean? Fish is pr- in particular. So, like, if I taste any bit of, like, fishiness, I'm, like, completely, like, turned off to it. And my mom will eat seafood, but my dad hates it, and so do I. I'm, like, I'm coming around, though, I will That's say. really funny. I didn't know that. Yeah, no. I like just started eating shrimp this past summer. Shrimp's good. I like shrimp. That's I'm okay. not I'm not big on fish either. Like I'll eat some like white fish yeah, or no, like I'm set on all that, dude. If it's cooked right. I mean, I'm super into food as you know. So, I can make just about anything taste good, but there's some fish that I'm like, "Nah, it, <laughs> it doesn't work for me." Yeah, no. None of none, none of it works for me. <laughs> I'll make you something good. I mean, I'll try. We'll it. try it. I'll try it. And like that's like even a stretch for me <laughs> where like someone thought it was a great decision to make me try sushi <laughs> what like i straight up like raw sushi yeah, yeah. or like, like not even like a fancy not little even like a tempura sushi. like no like oh shrimp tempura. no like you need to have this like just try one like you know one of those type deals i like legitimately and people are gonna be like this, this kid is like satan <laughs> i like literally spit it right back out into a oh napkin like in the middle of a restaurant like the people i, w- I was with were like mortified hate it <laughs> disgusting dude but you love fishing love fishing 
And I mean, I guess it makes sense that you throw it back because you're fishing for sport, like a lot of people do. But some people fish for food too. Absolutely. You know, like, there's nothing wrong with that as long as like you're staying within like everything, your limits for how much right. you can take a day, and you know you have your obvious like sizes. You know, you have a minimum that you can keep. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, by all means, take what you catch. The only problem is a lot of people are out here taking like you know fish that are too short right. and uh, like striped bass is like especially that's a big thing here. Yeah, the populations are like rapidly declining. Uh, I was actually just looking at a study coming out of the Chesapeake Bay. So like all of our striped bass, they either go into one of the rivers that we have, the Housatonic, the mm-hmm. Connecticut, the Thames, or they um, migrate down to like the Chesapeake Bay area for the winter. In the Chesapeake Bay, you can keep, I believe it's like two fish at 18 inches. Our minimum is one fish a day per angler at 28 inches. Wow. So you're, they're taking, you have guys that'll go out there, six, six people, eight people on a boat. Think about mm-hmm. the party boats that go out there with like 40, 50 people. Yeah. Each of them are taking two essentially babies you know it's just like it's ruining the population there's no way around it and then like the striped bass from what i'm told because i obviously don't like fish you want to keep within a certain size range from like 28 to like 34 inches is what i'm told is like the best meat okay anything over that it starts to get real fatty and those are like your breeder fish essentially once once they get big like those are breeders like they have no value in their meat like they're they literally are like here just to produce eggs and one striped bass and don't quote me on that could be wrong but it's like responsible for 50 million eggs over their lifetime wow yeah so take that one and a chance that 50 million might not show up exactly that's literally what it is wow mm-hmm. and like all these people you look on instagram people are like posting pictures of them just saying hanging up slobs of fish like yeah. 45 50 pounders and yeah. like they're on the docks and like it's just like what are you gonna do with that I know. I mean, it's all like, it's cool to get a picture of this big fish that you caught. But I mean, a lot of people don't think about that. Like it really has a huge effect on the environment and the population and everything. No, absolutely. And I think uh, the Atlantic Coast Fishery Committee or like whatever it's called, they're changing everything throughout like for, for the whole East Coast. So hopefully some positivity coming out of it. Yeah. But, you know, only time will tell what's what's really going on. Yeah. Which sucks because, like, that's what I go for. Like, I go for striped bass. Like, I don't want anything else. I just want, like, that big striped bass. Right. What's your record? So, on boat, it's 46 inches at, I think it was, like, 42 pounds or 41 pounds, something like that. I caught that in September, which was probably one of my best moments fishing ever because, like, it's, like, the type of fishing that we were doing. We were throwing, like, live eels, and I've tried this time after time, and I never caught a thing. Uh-huh. Like I, I literally, bro, and I tell you, I spent countless hours on the beach casting at nothing. Like I can't see anything around me, literally nothing. I think I had a one legitimate bite that year, and this was like two years ago. I ended up dropping the fish. Like after like three months of just nothings, and then like having like probably one of the like the the, the strongest pulling fish I've ever felt at the end of my line. Like to drop it, I threw all my like bait in the water. Like, (laughs) dude, I'm like, it was like the first day of like a three day tournament for like surf casting. So like surfing from the shore only, like you can't, no no boats, like has to be, it was a catch and release uh, tournament from like pretty much the whole, it was New Jersey to Rhode Island, I believe. Okay. And I think I actually had a fish that could have like won that tournament. It was big, dude. It was, it almost ripped this rod out of my hands. Like no exaggeration. I'm not just telling fish stories either. Like the one that got away. I, like, legitimately lost sleep over this fish. Oh, no. Until I caught that fish in September, like, I was mad at myself for a year. And it all came down to, like, inexperience and not knowing 
what I was doing. It was literally the stupidest thing as, as much as I was using the wrong style hook. Okay. Uh, so like so it was a learning point. Exactly, you know. Now you're not going to miss that fish next time. We didn't miss it. Exactly. <laughs> you got that 42-pounder. So, th- yeah, that was my best from a boat. And then a week later, after catching that 46-inch fish, I caught a 48-inch, and I know for a fact that was 42 pounds from the from the surf, and that was probably one of the coolest things I've ever experienced in my life. Standing out there in complete darkness. Mm-hmm. Funny story, like my friend gets up onto his rock, and uh, first two casts, fish. We're Now we're using the exact same bait, mm-hmm. like we're using lures at that point. We're using the exact same lure, casting 10 feet away from each other. I'm not getting a single tap, nothing. I'm like, I'm yelling at him, like, dude, like, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> what? Like, yeah, right. What, what the hell? Did you, you know, pay, like, did you pay the fish? Yeah, no, I, <laughs> literally. It, I was so mad. He ended up hooking into what probably was a 50 pound class fish. He's a hardo for fishing. He's crazier than I am. Uh-huh. You know, like, he'll be out there in the middle of the night by himself in, in a four foot swell, like, waves just crashing into his chest standing on a rock surrounded by rocks if you slip off that rock you know you can hit your head yeah. it can go bad very quick right he said like that was like this fish i mean i saw his rod dude it was completely doubled over fish is just ripping drag he ends up dropping it like 10 feet from the rocks oh man that was that was a heartbreak for him and i ended up standing a little bit to the left of him took a cast in like a, an area that neither of us were casting into we we're using uh, dead eels and my eel got smacked like i've had i've caught some big fish mm-hmm. like i caught uh it was like a 65 pound mahi wow. in the dominican republic in february and uh like that, that was a hell of a fight but this thing i've never felt like we're talking like 11 foot rods big 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 reels i had my hand cupped over my reel trying to like control the drag because this thing was just ripping and i had my drag almost locked wow it was an awesome moment to say the least you know, we get it into the rocks and Waves are crashing over us, and just, you know, there's nothing better than seeing it swim away. It's the weirdest thing. It's weird. It's like I love catching them, but I love I love watching them like swim off. Yeah, because there it goes for someone else to catch. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. You know, like let somebody else have that memory, have that, have feel that that energy in that moment in time. You know, like it's there's nothing better. Yeah, it'll get bigger and come back next time. Exactly. You'll catch it again. Right. You said fished in the DR too? Yep. So where's like your favorite place? That's hard. I love the fishery up here. Yeah. I really do. I still haven't cracked Martha's Vineyard. I was like I said, I was up there, you know, all summer with work. I would really love to like key in on like what they're doing there, you know? Because the fishery outside the Long Island Sound is is great. It's and it only gets better the farther out you get. You know, like closer to the Atlantic. The water is cleaner, there's a lot more bait. I would love to like key in on Martha's Vineyard because they have an amazing fishery up there. Same thing. I I've n- haven't been up to Block Island, but I would love to get up there. Mm-hmm. You know, mid-fall, it would be amazing. But the DR was cool. That sucked, though, because there was, like, eight-foot waves, and they told us there was, like, three-foot waves. And, like, oh, if I get bored, if we're not catching fish and I get bored, it doesn't happen here, but, like, whenever I go deep sea, I get sick. Uh. So, like, I literally was throwing up. Some lady, like, got sick, and I ended up throwing up, too, because I was hearing her throw up. Oh, and no. All of a sudden, like, the rods just start going, and, like, they're just handing rods off. And next thing I know, I have what could be, like, a once-in-a-lifetime fish on the end of the line. Like, everybody was making fun of me. Like, oh, there's a bunch of Canadians. They're like, I think you found the, the cure for seasickness, eh? I was like, 
happens every time. Like, it's literally clockwork. But, yeah, no, that was an awesome fish. It took me about, like, 25 minutes to, like, get it in. Everybody was catching, you know, 18 to 36 an inch fish. And then, like, mm-hmm. if you catch, like, a 36-inch mahi, like, that's, like, awesome. Mm-hmm. Mine was the size of me. I'm 6'4". Wow. <laughs> yeah. It's, like, that was that was awesome, to say the least. But I love fishing up here. There's no way around it. It's just, it's in my blood. Yeah. Like I could never leave the Northeast. Like, <laughs> I'm not going anywhere. I love it too much. I mean, it's, there's, there's a lot to do here, obviously. I mean, you've done just so many everything. different yeah. things, yeah, from summer to winter to fall. You got to stay busy. Yeah. If you get stuck in your, your routine of work, you drive yourself crazy. Like, I, I literally went through a point where I was just waking up, going to work, coming home, eating, you know, taking care of myself, sleep. Yeah. Do it all over the next day. And mm-hmm. that in itself is tiring. Yeah. You know? Seriously. So I'd rather invest my time in something that, like, I truly love doing. Like, I don't care if I have to spend money. You know, that's why right. we work. Exactly. Know? I mean, that's the, the whole thesis of this show. It like, is. Like, literally. <laughs> it is. It, like, it we is. want we want to help people find that stuff, or if they have that stuff, inspire them to go out and do it. Absolutely. Go do it. Absolutely. Like, you have to. Yeah. Like, don't think about it. Like, just can't do it from the couch right exactly like the number one like motto of a fisherman you can't do it from the couch can't do it from the couch you can watch it on tv you can watch it watch a lot of youtube of it yeah anything that inspires you to learn master even if it has no potential value of making money right you have to just go out there and do it like i'm the type of person where like i, I want to succeed at everything i do and if i don't succeed at it it, it eats at me mm-hmm. not catching the eels uh-huh. Like I was saying, I, I didn't catch a fish. I went out there for three months straight every single day. Didn't catch a single fish for me to get that fish on an eel. Like, I was jacked up, dude. Like, it was like the stars aligned and everything just worked out perfectly. Like, yeah. It, that, that passion, like, that, it's like what's deep inside you. Like, that's what has to drive you. Exactly. You know, we all have to work. We do. There's, there's no way around it. You know what I mean? Like, there's, unless, like, we're some, some lucky person, we all have to work. But it kills you. You know, if, like, you just work, it, there's nothing to life, you know? Exactly. You have to find those things, those little hobbies, even if it's, like you said, something that's not going to make you any money, but it's going to bring you that joy. Absolutely. Like, that's the value in it, happiness. Absolutely. Like, if it's something that's going to make you happy, you can go do that. You have the freedom to do that. Absolutely. It's it's amazing. Absolutely. And, like, I was very fortunate to, like, be able to have a boat, Mm -hmm. like, that I can take out, like, pretty much at my disposal. Right. Without it, I would figure out a way. Because... This is something that I love. You right. know what I mean? If there's a will, there's a way. There's no way around that. So speaking of inspiring people, if anybody was inspired by this in our talk today, do you have any advice for them to get into fishing? You know, if it's something that really interests you, don't be afraid to make the initial investment. Mm-hmm. Like, you do anything nowadays, you have to spend money. Yeah. You know, and, like, I feel like that's a big turnoff for people. Like, oh, well, I don't want to have to go and buy a rod, a reel, all the lures, this and that. You know, but you don't have to buy it all at once. You know, obviously you need a rod and a reel and some basics to start with. Right. You know, but by all means, get out there. Enjoy the outdoors. It's it's like therapy. Mm-hmm. It's it's therapy. When you when you get out there and you have a sunset and it's there's no wind and it, the, the water feels like glass and, you know, you just have birds flying over you and they're diving in on fish. Like, there's, it's awesome. Like, just gets my heart pumping. There's nothing better. Any problem in the world that I have is gone at that exact moment in time. Yeah. You know, I love it. By all means, get out there and do it. Yeah. So, Tyler, if anybody wants to find more about this or more about you and they want to ask you any questions or anything, where can they get in touch with you? Yeah, so you can 
you know, add me on Instagram, DM me. My, my handle is uh, Tyler underscore Carlo. Uh, real simple. I'd love to, like, if anybody's really trying to get into it, I'd love to talk to you about it. You know, even if you want to, I'll take you out on my boat. You know, there, there's nothing better than, you know, bringing someone out there for the first time and, like, getting them on some fish and, like, seeing their face lit up. Yeah, for you know, sure. It's, it's great. It's great. So, yeah, you know, add me, message me. I won't bite, I promise. <laughs> Hopefully the fish well, do. I was just going to say, but the fish will. <laughs> awesome, but guys. I'll put that down in the description so you can find that easily. All right, dude, I think that's a good place to end it. Thank you for coming in and talking today and sharing your passion with the world. No, no worries. Thanks again for having me. Had a good time. Me too. Really enjoyed it. I'm going to have to get out on the boat with you sometime. Absolutely get out there. For sure. All right, guys. Well, thank you for listening. This is the Time Off Podcast. I'm your host, BK. This show is produced at Sono Entertainment and Recording Studios. It's an awesome podcast set up here. I love it great time great conversations great equipment come check it out if you're interested in having a podcast or if you want to be a guest on the show hit me up at the time off podcast shoot us an email shoot us a dm whatever thank you again for listening we will see you next week enjoy your time off <laughs> <laughs>